Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day to day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. Today's guest on the Me Suite is one of the three reasons that I, Donna Peters, cannot run for public office, and it's because she is one of my three college roommates. Her name is Sean Walker. She has been the CEO of a medical device distributor business. She was the owner and the CEO of this business for many, many years. She has been an inventor in the medical device space. She has been very active in the venture capital community, in the, the biotech and healthcare space. Her garden should have the word botanical in front of it. She is just super, super intelligent and very, very sharp. However, we're not here today to talk about Sean's business. We are here today to talk about Sean and how to keep your passions alive, your hobbies, that thing that drives you every day alive. It's something that we all need more of in the me suite. Let me stop talking and get to the meat. Welcome, Sean Walker. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to tell everyone some of your deepest, darkest secrets today. <laughs> <laughs> you know I have editing powers, right? <laughs> that, that is true. Okay, maybe I'll stick to the uh, facts. Okay. The, the not-so-dark ones. <laughs> okay. So uh, we won't reveal your, your deep, deep passion hobby. Uh, let's start with your core values first, and then we'll get into the how to keep your passions alive. Okay. So um, my core values, I've, I've got them down to about five, I think. And okay. um, one, I think, can best be summarized as Kaizen or, or basically I'm, uh, I need to strive for continuous self-improvement. And uh, part of that means um, being intellectually curious and uh, pushing myself out of my safe zone and things like that. Yeah. Number two would be fairness. It's uh, really important to me, um, equity and fairness in terms of dealing with other people, dealing with our families, our coworkers, our pets. Awareness would be number three. And by awareness, I, I really mean uh, understanding the and being conscious of the downstream artifacts of what you do huh. or you don't do. Yeah. But also to say, you don't want to get into analysis paralysis, but you know, you but and you need to learn from your mistakes, but just not dwell on them. Mm -hmm. And this is all sort of a function of living a hopefully regret minimized framework. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think something that's that's really important and that I value is humor. I think that um, humor brings a lot to life, and that life is really just too short to not have. Uh, so um, I think it's really important to to laugh at, at ourselves, 
and at our misfortunes sometimes. And um, I think, you know, self-deprecating humor, especially, I think is, is uh, something that's, that's really important. <laughs> yeah. I'm just laughing about all the times that I was the butt of the humor, but we'll let that go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe funny well, to you. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. And I just want to comment, if I could, on yeah. the way that I, I really kind of backed into these core values because and, and what I mean by that is mm-hmm. I thought about situations that made me really uncomfortable that I didn't like Ooh. or people that I didn't like or, you know, just scenarios that kind of um, made me feel really uncomfortable, you know. Um, yeah. And then I identified what was it about that person or that situation that I just couldn't tolerate. And it was either, you know, they weren't, I didn't feel like they were, being fair or they were taking advantage of someone Uh um, or they were just kind of lazy and stagnant or just so dry, no fun. So that's kind of how I was able to identify really um, what the things that I think are are valuable in life. And so I, I thought that was an an interesting way to go about doing it because there are a lot of things that are important, but to actually have a visceral response to something that runs completely against the grain of your core values uh, is really how I helped identify what mine were. I'm really if that glad, makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. And I'm really glad you brought it up because the most questions I am getting from listeners are, can you give me more advice, tips, and tricks for how to identify my core values? And everybody's going to come at it from a slightly different angle. Yep. But I think your angle is going to resonate with a lot of people. You're coming at it from the um, the uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortableness. I think that's a right. really interesting twist. Right. It's sort of like when you visit college, you know, you don't always know what you're going to like, but when you set foot on mm. a campus, you know whether, you know if you don't like it. Yeah, this isn't and, it. Uh, Right. And so that that's sort of that same, you know, paradigm to, to come up with my core values. So hopefully uh-huh. that'll be helpful for someone too. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so let's shift to the topic. I'm using the word passion, hobbies. So I did some self-reflection as I was thinking about the Me Suite and the topics that would be interesting for building a Me Suite mindset, how we need to be living our own lives with purpose, planning, and power. And one of the things that plagues most adults, by the time you're probably getting into your late 20s, is a lot of those passions and hobbies and dreams that you had, you let die. And you are about the only person, I believe in my sphere, who kept alive your passion for horses and riding. And it took a lot of creativity to do it. It's an extremely expensive sport. It takes an awful lot of dedication and training. And I would love for you to share with people, what is your mindset when you think about nurturing this thing that you could not let go? And it might give us all some ideas for how to rekindle something that we have let atrophy. Sure. Well, I'll I'll try to do that. Although I have to say that my passion, which is horses and riding, Mm -hmm. really is what keeps me alive um, in uh. many ways. And reflecting on this subject, mm-hmm. I realized that there are so many parts of it that do reflect my core values. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that even though there are things that people may have been passionate about when they were younger, 
um, they've either decided to concentrate on their career or on their family, um, but they have not, and they may have grown and evolved. And so their core values have changed somewhat. And so Mm -hmm. the things that, the choices that they make between where they want to spend their free time uh, and what they get out of any sort of hobby or interest that they have, I think that it's likely to be more sticky, if you will, Mm -hmm. if it does align with their core values. And so, uh, like, for example, with dressage and riding with me, uh, the the dressage process is, in case people don't know what it is, and it's likely that's the case, mm-hmm. it's basically the systematic gymnasticizing of the horse, basically uh-huh. building up their strength and their athleticism so that they can be, they can move in a more beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the calisthenics for horses, basically. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to the pinnacle of the sport, you have to lay a very strong foundation. And it has to do with strength and fitness and obedience and and things like that. So you can't, everything, every day, every ride, there's some level of continuous improvement going on. It's a thousand baby steps to get Mm -hmm. to the top of the ladder. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that really appeals to me because I like to feel at the end of the ride, even if it wasn't perfect, I got I I did make some progress in some small way. Mm-hmm. And and that's a core value of mine to improve myself mm-hmm. and I can improve my horse and so that core value aligns with my actual passion yeah. which which is horses and riding. Yeah. I think the other thing or some of the other issues are you know or or facets around being able to keep something like uh, a hobby or an interest alive is to really is to actively carve the time out for it. Too often I hear people say, oh, you know, I want to get back in. I used to love horses. I want to get back into it after, you know, fill in the blank. And they're mm. always kicking the can down the road. It's either because of I need X amount of money saved or after I'm, you know, my 50th birthday or after whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't matter and because they say they don't have enough time or they don't have enough money or uh, they don't have the mental bandwidth or or whatever it might be. And the reality is that you find the time for the things that you prioritize. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of time in a day. You just need to decide to spend it on, on and rekindle the things that used to make you, you. Mm. And that make you happy. And so when I hear people say that, it makes me, you know, that they they want to get back into it. but it makes me sad because they're really, they're wasting their life and, and they could have so much joy in their lives. For me, they're, you know, just just show up at a therapeutic riding place and offer to groom the horses. Ah. You know, that that's a start. Or maybe, you know, you are a violinist or maybe you like to paint, but you have to do these things for yourself because no one else is going to do them for you. And that gets around to boundaries, mm-hmm. making sure that you are able to, because in, in, as you said, in your late 20s, I think a lot of people, they get on the family bandwagon or they get on the career bandwagon mm-hmm. and they get very siloed. And it's important for you to have a silo for yourself. Mm. 
and you have to be responsible for that. Yeah. And so for me, because I'm dealing with another living sentient human being, I, you know, I can't just say, well, I'm just going to not do this or I'm just not going to, I'm just going to ignore it or what have you. There's a responsibility there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoy it very much, but I can't just, you know, pick up and, and put down a hobby like a horseback riding. Yeah. It's not fair to the animal. It's not fair to my trainer. It's not fair to the people you know, that, mm-hmm. that are friends of mine at the barn. So um, there is this sense of community too that that can hold your passion in your life also is this responsibility toward others that are in the circle of your passion. Yeah, so I hear fairness and awareness in there a little bit too then. Mm-hmm. So I yep. want to go back, you used the word boundaries. So I mentioned in your introduction, you have been a CEO for the majority of your post-college life. You are a mom. You are in a dual career family. How did you find the boundaries? Because I believe you're the only one in your family who rides, correct? Correct. Right. So that's even harder to find the boundaries when you're the only one who does it. Correct. And it's funny because sometimes I wonder, how different would this be if my son rode with me or if my husband rode with me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've kind of come to the conclusion that I that I like it just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because first of all, it'd be two or three times more expensive. But um, (laughs) also it really makes it me time. It's a time when I get to do what I want to do. And and Uh I understand that, you know, that families that, you know, ride their bikes together and all that. And I'm, I'm, that's great. But I think it's really important that you don't water down the things that you like to do if they're just because they're more of a singular activity to try and fit everybody in your life into it. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. I love the way you said it. Do you have tricks that somebody could be thinking about doing differently on Monday to take the baby step? Well, I, I would say several things. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that people waste a lot of time watching television. <laughs> um, I mean, it really is. If you actually sit down and time how much time like you spend in front of the television, mm-hmm. it, it's remarkable. And yeah. the same could be said for, you know, just getting on your phone, social media, that sort of thing. The first thing you need to do is eliminate the myth from your mindset that you don't have the time to pursue these things. Ooh, say that again. Say that again. Eliminate the myth from your mindset that you do not have the time to pursue your passions. Love it. Okay. The second thing I would say would be eliminate the concept from your mind that you have to have X before you can do this thing. That, mm. That's a construct in your own mind. That, mm. that's, a, that's a roadblock you're putting up for yourself. And, and life can be tough enough don't do that. Don't make excuses for not doing it. Mm-hmm. Just do it and and do it soon. I mean, do it tomorrow. Reach out, pick up the phone and, and take, you know, take a voice lesson or get involved with the theater company or what have you. Just take one little step mm-hmm. and, and that will lead to another thing and another thing. Writing for me allows me to, I have, I get a workout, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Um, it's very meditative in many sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, even cleaning a stall can be extremely meditative, mm-hmm. which is, I know, probably weird, but if you've done it, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you have a circle of friends around you mm-hmm. that have come from various different backgrounds, some of whom are extremely wealthy, some of whom 
barely, you know, they, they're living hand to mouth and um, they're, they're going to pay for their horse before they pay for anything else. And they may not even ride. They might just like to, you know, hang out with the horse, all different age groups. Uh, and, and also it's a industry that keeps many, 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 many entrepreneurs alive. Ah. From the the coaches and the trainers to the veterinarians to the blacksmiths to the ah. people that own the stables. So even though it's an expensive hobby, I'm able to in sport, I'm mm-hmm. able to to tell myself, but you know what? I'm paying people. It's not like I'm going out and buying a purse for four thousand dollars or something like that that yeah. I'm gonna get sick of next year. You know, yeah. it is expensive, but it's actually I feel like it's supporting other people in the community. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that, you know, just don't make excuses. Carve some time out for yourself and treat it like it's as important as all the other things you've been treating um, with probably an overstated level of importance. Yeah. Because in the end, you're going to remember moments of joy that you had. And it's unlikely that's going to come from going to every single PTA meeting or, you know, having a corner office. I I think that it will be these in-between times when you had moments to yourself and just were able to explore your passion. Yeah. This is fabulous. And I want to connect a dot to when you were talking about go after the thing that you want and Mm -hmm. don't let the doubt drag you down. In brain-based coaching, in the executive coaching that I do, that concept is called a self-limiting belief. Yes. So that's a technical term for it. So Mm -hmm. you're really challenging people. Call that out. Call out your self-limiting belief. Yes. And then if you really want to go for it, you're going to find creative ways to go for it. One of my podcast interviews is with a chief creativity officer, and his mantra is constraints are your friend. Yep. It's interesting. Yes. Well, because you have to prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've heard things like, oh, well, I can't start riding till I lose 15 pounds, you know. <laughs> you know okay. Well, I appreciate that from the perspective of the horse, let's say. <laughs> but I mean, maybe if you were to go down and just volunteer at a therapeutic riding place, right? that would give you, you'd start walking around more, you'd yeah. get more incentivized to lose the weight and get back. So, you know, it just, uh, it's its sad to me because I, I see how much um, joy horses and animals in general bring to people's lives. And mm-hmm. in this particular sport, I do talk with, with women in particular. Oh, you, you know, everybody's a teenager, loved horses. You know, it's it like I said, it's sad to me when people sideline that for some tomorrow that may never come, you know, yeah. just, just carpe diem. Yeah. Well, you really are a role model for it. I would like for you to toot your own horn just a little bit. So even though you've been doing this as a hobby and you're not in the professional circuit, you have a barn full of ribbons. Yes, so talk, I do. So share with I, us what your specialty <laughs> is and what your goals are for 2020. So um, I have a, a wonderful horse named Alec who is currently the number one Rhineland Faultsar horse at, which is a breed, a German sport horse breed in the country uh, amongst amateurs and uh, professional riders. Crazy. At first level in dressage. Crazy. Yeah. And then as a pair, um, we are ranked 11th in the country across all the breeds at the level that we ride. So that was pretty cool. I that that even happened this year. I mean, we had a very successful year. I've only had him two years, wow. but, um, I, you know, I, we really had a great year. So 
this year, we're working on something called the Flying Changes, Mm -hmm. uh, which looks a little bit, if you see it on a horse, like the horse is skipping. Uh And um, we will be debuting at third level. So we're going to skip a whole leather level and debut at third level this year. And um, I'm really excited about that. The, the changes we've been working on that all winter. I actually won a scholarship from the New England Dressage Association to solidify those so I could come out and compete at third level next year. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing. And I'm wow. hoping that my college roommates can come cheer me on at the championships again next year. This is amazing. Wow. Okay. So you're an inspiration and I want to, <laughs> I want to challenge the, the me sweet listeners to think about what could you start doing Monday to rekindle a passion that you might have let atrophy and we'll call it, let's brand it, uh, go out and find your flying changes. There you go. Make a flying change. <laughs> Make a flying change. Make a flying change. <laughs> and I want to thank you for being uh, chairman emeritus of my personal board of directors. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. That's an unpaid and, board, by the way. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I could pay you in peppermints, but that's about it. So, so, so thank fun. Thank you so much for having me on today, Donna. And I would love to come back anytime. This is terrific. Thank you so much, Sean. Sean Walker, everybody. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Sweet like executive suite. That's the-me-suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.